Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. You wake up way too early and you're way too loud. Flying off the bed and driving trucks around. Today was supposed to be the day that I could finally sleep and lay, but how can I let my little man down? Although it's just the part you don't care. Playing in your own world, you could be anywhere. Racing cars around the track. Hold on, Mom, I'll be right back. Without you, love, I don't know what I'd do. But I know Mama had the little boy blues. There's always a scrape that I need to kiss away. Grubby little fingers at the end of the day. Little girls are not. And tie your shoes just right Don't forget a jacket and a squeeze real tight That yellow bus is coming gone And now I'm standing all alone I tell myself my boy will be back soon But you know mama's got those little boy blues There's always a scrape that I need to kiss away Story time Say a prayer to Jesus And we'll sing some rhymes Although today is gone away Tomorrow is another day We can find another way To chase away the little boy blues Cause when I'm not with you Mama's got those little boy blues Have you found some long lost friends since you've moved to Colorado that are like, hey, we're coming out that way? You mean? Because <laughs> it's a paradise, man. Kind of. It, it is, especially right now. Um, summer is just gorgeous. And, and we do love snow, too. The kids love to sled. Um, my oldest son is on the ski team, which is so cool oh, to wow. have a ski team in high school. And uh, just the difference between how he skied before and then after being with this amazing coach, it's, it's, he's a totally different kid. And my younger one is looking forward to it. However, we get like seven to eight months of snow. And this year was a pretty, it felt like it was just nonstop and it didn't, you know, Colorado can be great. Uh, Cause you get the sun almost all year and it does help. I, I, uh, you know, you'll get a snowstorm in the morning and then the sun comes out and everything's sparkly and, and it does feel less wintry, but like, come, Come April and May, I'm I'm a Missouri girl, and I'm ready to see green and get grow the things. Going. I want to yep. get the garden going, and um, it can be rough. But my husband is amazing, and he knew what a sacrifice moving was for me, and he um, he made sure that I was able to build a greenhouse. And we have put an outdoor garden in, and he just lets me go nuts. Uh, when I need to, uh-huh. so I get I get my green. Uh, I want to talk about that. Uh, well, I wanted to bring up not well since you've moved to Colorado, you and your boys. Oh my gosh, you were in an accident, weren't you? 
We were. When I saw your car, I was like, oh, thank goodness they're alive. We were. It um, it's, it was a big one. And you, you just don't think it's ever going to be you, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, what happened? So it was this past March, and we were coming back from skiing, actually. Oh. Uh, it was a ski trip, so we go to Breckenridge because we can go the back way, and it's pretty close. And we were so close to home. We were all, all, only a couple miles from our exit on the highway, and uh, the, the Colorado highways usually have three lanes because you're either going up or downhill most of the time. Right. And so a lot of cars struggle on the long uphills. And so you get a passing lane when you're going uphill and then the uh, downhill side is just a single lane. And um, there was a pretty slow little pickup truck uh, as I came out of Bailey and I saw him up ahead and there were a couple cars passing and I thought, oh yeah, I'm actually gaining on him. So I did what you do. You get over in the left-hand passing lane And I was just coming up to him, and he, I guess, hadn't seen me, and I don't think he was making good choices um, with, you know, his life. And he didn't look, and he also, I think his turn came up fast, but he just all of a sudden went, oh, there's my my street, and he made a left-hand turn from the right-hand lane, and I was coming up. On I was almost to his bumper on the in the left-hand lane, passing him. Um, and so I veered, you know, thinking, "What is he doing?" I thought he was just cutting me off, which would have been far better because yeah. mm-hmm. um, there was no on con- oncoming traffic. Uh, praise God, because this could have been a totally different accident um, had there been somebody coming our way the other direction but he wasn't just veering into our lane he was making a turn and so I could not get around him because he just kept coming and um the front passenger side of my car impacted the the I think the front driver's side of his tire um and we kind of ricocheted off of him and I was standing on my brakes from the moment I realized what he was doing on and I just couldn't get the car to slow down uh, on the highway you go about it's about 50 um and we got pushed over uh, across the the rest of the oncoming lane which really wasn't much at that point because I'd been trying to miss him and there was a guardrail just starting and we um rolled it up about four four um Mm-hmm. stakes you know that right. it's put in the ground shattered them with the front of my car and i thought maybe that'll slow us down maybe maybe i can get this car to stop and then we tipped over the edge and mike i have to say that was mm-hmm. that was the scariest moment any parent ever has to go through because i wasn't scared for myself it was the fact that my kids were in the car and you always, you know, as a parent, you think through every situation mm-hmm. and, you know, in your head, you're like, what would I do if, what would I do in this case? And you've got all the, all the scenarios and, um, there's nothing you can do that. That's the reality. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't stop the car. I couldn't save my kids. I couldn't I couldn't even hold my kids. I couldn't comfort them. And they're older. Um, my younger son is 12 and my oldest is 15. But they're still your children. Right. And I was just thinking, you know, um, 
we'd been driving for quite a while. They were pretty relaxed back there. And it's, you realize, you know, they always wear their seatbelt, but what if somebody threw their shoulder over, you know, cause it was uncomfortable right. or what if they're not sitting, you know, they're kind of slouched and they're, they're not in the right position to be safe. And, uh, as we rolled, um, we picked up speed. So after oh. the first one, um, I was terrified and I realized that I didn't know where the bottom was and we were going faster and I thought there's a really good chance we're going to die and we don't, we don't know what's going to happen now. And I always thought it would be a Jesus take the wheel moment, you know, right. and I'd feel such a sense of peace and, <laughs> you know, he's got it. Um, there, it wasn't that actually, and that's probably due to my own faults and humanness. Um, but the fear I felt was because I didn't know if my kids were going to be okay, and you know, come what may for me. But I, I just didn't know what I would do if um, we came to a stop and I didn't have one. So we did. A tree caught us, and actually, we we hit on our crumple zone, kind of on my front side, and we were upside down. And it wasn't as bad of an impact as one would think. After rolling a few times, it was a very steep slope. Um, and my kids were fine; they were pretty shaken up. Uh, my little guy, he, you know, he's becoming a man. Uh -huh. it's be, he's starting <laughs> that process, but the trauma of that. He didn't have words for that. And so there, he was crying a little bit and just apologizing. I'm sorry, mom. I'm Aww. so sorry. And I was like, buddy, <laughs> you know, no, I am, I am so sorry. And it's okay. And um, my brother-in-law had gone skiing with us. We were actually thanking him for um, driving something out for us. And then I about killed him. So I'm not sure that was much of a thank you. <laughs> but uh, poor Brady, he... Um, he really had the worst of it because a boulder uh, was on his when his side hit on one of the rolls, um, and it set off his Air his bag. front airbag, uh. and he was wearing glasses, and so he had some head trauma and has had to heal from some things. Um, so he got the he got by far the worst of it, but we all walked out. Well, we crawled out, uh, and then we walked away, and. Um, Got to sit there because, you know, when you have an accident, you're waiting for everything to clear up and they have to, the ambulance is there and they clear you. And so it was hours of sitting and looking at that mountainside and where the car was and what that looked like and just fully understanding what a blessing, really what a miracle. I, I We had a miracle and the fact that we walked away and no rocks or limbs came through the windows and... um. The biggest part of that is even in all that fear, I was very aware that um, I felt like somebody was holding me. It wasn't just the seatbelt locking down because you can still move from side mm -hmm. to side, especially as we're rolling and you would assume you'd hit your head on the window or oh, get yeah. some neck strain. And honestly, I felt like, you know, you think of the best hug you've ever been given. It's usually by a grandma and they just, <laughs> it is a full body. You are held hug. And that's what it was. My kids said they felt the same thing. Mm. Um, so I think God was there. That is crazy. And we, I mean, the worst we got were um, scratches from the classes. We crawled out from, you know, the upside down windows 
and then um, some bruising from seatbelts or mm-hmm. hitting something in the roll. I don't even know. But So you see a picture on the internet and you're like, we survived. And it's like you don't – but to go walk, to walk through the experience as it's happening that you just shared, I can't even – was your thinking like really – like you're you're sharing so much like you must have been processing like in hyper speed oh yes i i have every second of that in my mind and the police when they were taking the report the sheriff came and they were like well you surely it went too fast you don't remember some of these things i said oh i i do <laughs> I, I i was there every moment and and i think as a driver i mean you have ultimate responsibility of everybody in your car and so for me I knew that my one job was to get that car stopped before we went over the edge, and I I couldn't. I mm-hmm. didn't do that, and I have some guilt from that. Um, and I don't think I could have stopped the car. But when you're driving, right, you are responsible for for everybody, and and you're trying to keep everybody safe. So, yeah, it's it's been actually quite a a process. Um, I think I have some residual trauma. I'm having trouble trusting that people are going to follow rules of the road. Yeah. Um, while I'm driving, um, actually, my son. I was just telling you earlier. We have um, taken him to get his permit, oh, yeah. so he's learning to drive. <laughs> um, it's hard. It's hard to to trust that the Lord is is there. But at the same time, it's like. But after that experience, how do you doubt? God was there. I mean, if he had us, so why would I start doubting now? That's neat. That's a good <laughs> perspective. When, I, when my wife and I got married uh, oh, 12 years ago, I don't be in trouble, 13. Anyway, we on our honeymoon, <laughs> we went to uh, Estes Park, Colorado, and we took the Trail Ridge Road. Okay, mm. so I still remember driving that road, which goes so high, and going around curves, and my hands were sweating. I'm sweating right now thinking of it. <laughs> I was... Dizzy. I was like, if I just sneeze at the wrong moment, my car is going to go over the edge. And since then, we've gone on so many mountain trips. Now I'm just, it's fine. You but that first time it. through there, and so <laughs> I don't know how many times I've looked over to the edge thinking, whoa, man, I can't imagine rolling down that hill. And so to hear you say that, I can't even imagine the fear knowing that <laughs> your car's gaining speed as it's tumbling. And yeah. oh, man. So th- were you upside down at the end? Yes. Hanging from your seatbelts? Yes. Like the movies? And- it was like the movies. <laughs> and, you know, it is, it's surreal. You think this didn't just happen. Like, right. <laughs> um, I'm so proud of my kiddos and just how they have handled this. I mean, they are, they are stoic. Um, my older son... Once I once I realized everybody was okay, I started focusing on my brother-in-law because he was his head he was kind of stuck behind an airbag and he was in and out of it. I think he had a concussion with mm-hmm. his other some of the other injuries. And so I was trying to make sure Brady was okay. But I could hear David in the back um talking to James and and really just helping him process. Ah. And he was like, It's okay, James, we got this. We just got to get out of the car. We're going to get out. It's okay. Let's work on getting our seatbelts off. And just basically talked him through. And James very quickly, you know, he's he's a pretty even-keeled kiddo. So um, they got themselves out. Brady was able – so we had to crawl out the passenger side because mine was up against things too much. And so James followed David out his side, and then I was able to – I went behind James. 
And I told David later just how proud I was of him for for really keeping calm and being able to help his brother. And he smiled and he was like, well, mom, I'm a boy scout. I've basically (laughs) been training for that moment forever. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they're just kids are so funny. I I so enjoy having teenagers. Uh, (laughs) Pretty much have all the tools I need, ma. We're good. (laughs) He's like, what? That was nothing. And honestly, I, because people say, well, you don't know the trauma they, they feel. And actually, I think we might go to counseling. I, I know I need it just for maybe some more tools for as I'm driving and trying not to feel some of the anxiety, anxiety that I do. But I'm going to have the kids go. But I think they're fine. I'm sure they're going to say, oh, no, they've got this. But um, afterwards, just talking to the kids and want kind of one-on-one and seeing how they were dealing with this after a few days and David being the teenage boy that he is, he was, he was like, no, I basically proves it. I'm indestructible. (laughs) No, not the lesson I want you to take from this (laughs) this accident, but very confident. (laughs) Yeah. Just so we all aware I am. I'm good. How did you break the news to your husband? Oh, Doug was my hero. Um, that's all I could think, actually, when I was hanging in the car was <laughs> I've got to get... Well, you know, at first, when you first have the accident, I thought, oh, no, Doug loves this car. Oh, no. <laughs> He's not going to be pleased. And then we went over the edge, and then I thought, oh, it's, you know, we're beyond that. <laughs> um, it's uh, I'm so grateful I had my forerunner. Uh, it could have been a different story if we'd been driving Doug's smaller Jetta. Not that it's not safe, but that I highly recommend a forerunner if you're going <laughs> to go off a mountain. <laughs> Um, but I knew I needed to call him. That's all I could think. Cause you know, in the moment there's a lot of adrenaline and I'm sure I wasn't thinking too clearly, but I just kept thinking I need to call Doug and, um, got my, I opened the center console where I keep my phone plugged in and it immediately (laughs) fell to the ceiling, which was the floor. And, um, so I unhooked myself from the seatbelt and kind of did the thing and, uh, found my phone actually got Brady's as well. Cause I thought, well, he's going to need to call people. I don't know. You just not thinking clearly got out of the car and I immediately called my husband. Somebody else called 911 and, um, you know, you try to start with, we're okay. But he could tell, he could tell by my voice uh, that I was not right. And I said, the boys are fine. I'm okay. We've been in an accident and we're, we rolled. And uh, I tried to tell him where I thought we were. I actually did not, I thought we were closer to home. So I gave him kind of wrong directions, but he knew where we were. I, he, I think the sheriff, we had somebody come almost immediately. They, they saw, or they were very close. So he saw the lights and he was there within maybe 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. We were, we were almost home. We were so close, but, but what was amazing to me was, um, so we'd gone skiing. So if the tables had been turned and I'd gotten the call, I would have just flown out the door, grabbed the keys and gone to see my kiddos. And, and he did that, but on his way out, he thought they might need jackets. They might need water. And we did because our winter gear, we'd taken it off and thrown it in the back of the car. And that was, that was uh, pretty smashed in and um, jackets were, mm-hmm. were kind of crunched in there and we didn't have access to some of our winter gear. So um, 
I just I just couldn't believe his presence of mind to- <laughs> that, that he was able to think through that as he you know went flying out the door and um, he just he took care of everything he took care of insurance he called the tow truck um, he knew that I was still dealing and processing mm-hmm. and um, he didn't want me to have to worry about that and so he he's been my hero from day one he's been the one talking to the police says this is all gone through and um, never once has he made me feel, you know, guilty or, right. you know, talked about, oh man, I really love that car. It made me feel, he just never once. Well, man, I can't imagine a husband, I mean, him coming up and then looking at your car and seeing all of you guys there alive and pretty much healthy. That had to have been a moment for him. Yeah. He was pretty emotional, um, just seeing the kids, making sure they were okay. And, and I think for him too, standing on the side and, and you see the angle of everything and you see what it looks like. And he was down there actually trying to fish stuff out of the car for us and find things. And, um, you know, you just, you, you see it all in detail and it kind of uh, drives it home Mm. for us. We both were, had a kind of a rough night that night. Because we kept realizing that our kids were home in their beds asleep and very easily one of those or both of those could have been empty. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, I think we were both a little traumatized, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to work through it in our heads. Right. That, that how blessed we were. I'm so glad. I know so many people were amazed to see the pictures and glad that you guys were all okay. So <laughs> another... A blessing. <laughs> well, let's get into something a little lighter. I we're running long, we're running long but this would be a two-parter. Is that okay? Yeah. Are you still good? I'm good with that. We got to talk about Emily's Homestead. Oh. So you have a website. You do. Uh, I have all so many questions for you. You um, tell me what what is a homesteader. Well, you can basically homestead anywhere. You can homestead in the city. It's just about making the choices that you can to be more sustainable or to be um, um, do things more for yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Try to um, not rely so much on our modern consumerism. And not that I don't go to the store and buy craft mac and cheese because right. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Things like that. So, you know, I am not what you'd consider a true homesteader. I We don't raise all of our own food, all of our own meat. However, um, it's been over probably the last decade that I've been trying to bring more of that in to you know, our lifestyle and just the things that we can do. Sometimes you have a passion for raising sheep and goats and milking them and I don't. <laughs> well, actually, I'm trying to talk my husband into it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good at chickens. I think that's why we're, we're, we've got chickens and we've got our eggs, but, um, you know, that's a whole other level. You uh, bake? You, yes. I've seen your, we've used your <laughs> bread recipes. So, so your website, we'll have a link in the show notes, Emily's Homestead. You've got all kinds of things on there. It's funny because if if I ever was to raise chickens and build a chicken coop, it would probably be a mess uh, and, <laughs> and very rough. But yours is so elegant and beautiful, <laughs> and it's part of that creativity that you possess. Uh, I do like to woodwork. I I think that comes from 
Vernon Darling. Okay. He, he was a carpenter and he built, you know, I think a couple houses. So I figured I've got to, I can at least build a, a chicken coop greenhouse. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? I can't keep anything alive. We, we're lucky to get a couple of tomato plants and peppers every year, but that's the extent of it. How do you, uh, how did you learn how to do all of the, the growing and what to put in the soil? Cause it's not just as easy as putting something in the ground, is it? Maybe here it can be. Uh-huh. I don't know. You guys, well, it, I know Missouri has a lot of struggles because you get drought or then there's too much rain. Or, uh-huh. um, but honestly, it comes from my mom. Um, my mom has been an avid gar- gardener and um, she tried my whole life. I just really didn't have an interest until I was on my own. She would tell me things and I'd pretend like I was interested, but. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, that's nice, Mom. Pretty flowers. I'm glad you got some tomatoes. Uh, but she I mean, she does so much more than that. She actually is probably more the true homesteader. She's got her sheep and all the chickens, some guineas, a uh, massive garden. They live out on uh, a farm in Oak Grove, and uh, she does all the things. I just pretend. And then I call her a lot and go, so what do you, you, know, what do you think about this? It is different, though, when you garden because your environment – it, it's a big adjustment. And so we've moved around the country. So I've always felt like I'm always just learning how to garden in wherever we're at. Okay. Every climate has a unique, you know, you've got you've to learn tricks. And then we move and then it's a new climate. And so I'm, I don't feel like I'm a great gardener, um, but I'm learning some things for the mountains. We have a very, very short growing season. It's about 90 days. So I find oh. seeds for things that I can get a harvest, hopefully, before the first frost. And so, you know, mom has a little different experience with hers. I'm always, I'm about six weeks behind you guys. So I start seeing people posting pictures of their gorgeous, you know, tomatoes and things they're bringing in. And I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I have maybe a sprout (laughs) and it was like 30 degrees last night or you get a snow in June and it ruins everything. So it's just a learning curve and giving yourself grace. Yeah. Oh, I killed those things. Maybe next year. (laughs) (laughs) We we had, I think three BLT sandwiches last week from our two tomatoes that were red and ready to be picked and none of the other ones are ready yet, but it was fun for amazing. I love that first Bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich of the year from something that came out of my yard. Oh, it's so hard being a Midwest girl Uh living elsewhere because (laughs) you don't ever get the good tomatoes for your BLTs. Uh And I'm hoping for some this year. Um, I didn't have – my tomatoes took too long last year, and I didn't really get a good harvest either. So the fact that you're already eating sandwiches, I call that a win. uh, You have a greenhouse now? So it's all part of the chicken coop. It's, it's kind of a passive solar design, um, which is supposed to help it keep heat in, in the winter, uh, the way it's facing it's South facing. And then when the, with the winter sun, the sun really comes in, but the rest of it really is very insulated. It's not a full glassed in building because those, you you just can't afford to heat them uh, for eight months of winter, Mm -hmm. however long, um, but it also so, and it's not a huge greenhouse. It's about um, fourteen by fourteen feet, and half of it does have a growing bed. So that's where I start my seeds. That's how I. Those are the things I kind of try to keep alive in the winter, just to give me that feeling like I'm doing something. And uh, but the other half has um, 
a chicken corner. So that's their, their coop is actually inside. They share in the greenhouse and I've got that all walled off and uh, that works really well. And then there's a chicken door with a run to the outside that's attached. But we have bears and lots of predators. So it's like the Fort Knox <laughs> of uh-huh. chickens um, just to make sure that that something that they're safe and we don't have to deal with that. And then another corner has a water tank because in the passive solar design, it's all about having what they call the heat battery or a heat sink where you want something that um, has enough mass that it can kind of collect heat from the sunlight and then help moderate your temperature. Gotcha. Okay. So, so (laughs) do you sell eggs? How many eggs do you get a day? I don't sell eggs because my husband loves eggs Uh and I have two teenage boys. Well, James is almost a teen. I keep calling him. Right. So you eat them. <laughs> we eat them. We only have seven chickens uh, right now. We'll probably bump up to about a dozen. Um, be, and because I bake a lot. And so I do. You just you run through them. And there's times where we'll give a dozen or so away periodically. But, mm-hmm. um, yep, don't sell them. Well, I appreciate you homegrown chicken growers because that's where we get our eggs from is we always find somebody. We have some people at church. and They're just it's just night and day between the store ones. It is. They're good eggs. Yeah. We um, had chickens for a bit on a couple of our moves, but when we first moved out to Colorado, knowing we had all the predators, we didn't have them for a year or two until I could get uh, this little thing built, and um, we missed them. Mm-hmm. We missed them a lot. Convenient. <laughs> it's very convenient, uh, and just the quality, Yeah. Have you seen bears on your property? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Not this year, but uh, last year we had a, a couple and a mountain lion uh, all within a few weeks of each other. So, Are you nervous when you go out hiking in the mountains because of that? Not when I'm with other people, but yes, uh, we do have a, a small German shepherd, and she's fierce. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel some degree of, of safety with her. Um, but we do carry some some pepper spray. Really, I'm less scared of the bears than the mountain the lions. The mountain lion. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, especially if you get into an area where it's like, oh, that'd be a great place to jump down from. Um, but it's not bad. Usually I hike with my husband, and mm-hmm. he's I, I feel safe with him. Um, you, It is a different mentality. Um People who've lived up in the mountains for a long time talk about how they don't really go out at night. And at first, when we first moved up there, I was sending the kids to the woods and, you know, I wasn't worried at night because I'm like, well, we're in a neighborhood. It's on our property. But you see a few lions and uh, you realize very quickly that it is the mountains and you need to be a little more cautious. And so we don't love to go out once the sun goes down. You kind of... You try to be a little smarter and just it's more about surprising something that maybe they were just walking through and they weren't expecting to see you. But I'd rather avoid that situation. How far are you from Denver? Almost an hour. Almost an it's hour. maybe 40, 45 minutes to like Littleton, the outskirts. We're southwest. Of southwest. Denver. Do you guys have a grocery store in Bailey? No. No. It's about 30 minutes away in Conifer. Wow. So, but you get used to driving, and we we love to listen to audiobooks and mm-hmm. music, so right. you get used to it. It's funny because I, I do home health. I could drive uh, 150 miles in a day, and <laughs> I like I spend hours driving. I thought, well, if I added that all up, I could have went to St. Louis <laughs> or whatever. 
Yes. So it's not so bad, I guess. <laughs> you get used to it. Uh, when we first were looking for houses and properties, I was adamant. I said, Bailey's too far. I'm not I'm not looking at Bailey. We're going to look, you know, at all the places people look first. And then you quickly realize everything that's beautiful in the mountains that's very close to Denver is very, very expensive. And then uh, some other places that weren't quite so far, they it felt like the suburbs, you know, mm -hmm. I could be in any town anywhere and I want to feel like I'm in the mountains. And Bailey really gave that to us. Yeah. There's a lot of property. It's beautiful. Um, Do they have a coffee shop? Yes. Okay. Well, they just find them. And the Sasquatch outpost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So a number of years ago, I, when your parents were living in Nashville, your dad had a little studio, music studio there. And so a friend of mine, would we, we would drive up there and stay for a long weekend and do some recording i was uh in his bathroom that we shared there was a little bar of soap and that was and then he had another little bar that was a bar i've never seen it before that was actually shampoo and he's like yeah emily's making soap now so <laughs> that was my introduction to your wonderful craft tell me about your soap making and how did that start out well I never would have thought that that's where I would end up. I have a degree in interior design, which is a fine arts major. So I was an arts student. And um, the Marine Corps, when Doug was going through, because of all of our moves, it really killed off any chance I had of a career. I was able to work in a couple of architect architecture firms, um, but only really as an intern because we were moving so much. And then very quickly, we actually uh, had our oldest, David, and so I stayed home with him. And that's kind of where my life was going. And I loved being able to stay home with the boys. It, it's just such a special experience. However, my brain was struggling because I'm one who likes to do and make and um, be creative, especially interacting with other people. And I just felt like I was losing myself. And about this time, uh, James was probably about two or three at this point. So it had been many years since I had really been working out of the home. And it was around that time, um, James, when he was just a little guy, kind of had some skin things pop up that I'd been dealing with. It looked like he was starting to get eczema. And um, I had some cream that I would use. And just you're hesitant with your baby to start putting pharmaceuticals on and going down that route. And so I started looking up more natural remedies that I could try with him to see if we could keep him from having reactive skin. And number one on all the lists was natural soap because the soap you buy in the store, the regular stores, they're actually detergent-based most of the time, which is great if you're trying to clean grease off of dishes or, you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a powerful cleanser. But for skin, it really strips off a lot of your natural defenses and the oils and moisture. And actually, even um, soap bars that aren't detergent, they're real soap, a lot of those companies um, have figured out a way to pull out the natural glycerin, which is a byproduct of the saponification process, which is very naturally moisturizing. It's good for you. They pull it out so your soap is more drying, and then okay. they put it in lotion that you then have to put on your skin. Win-win <laughs> And them. it's more expensive. <laughs> yes. It's it just I hadn't realized any of that. Um, so I started buying soap for him. And um, and then, you, you know, the art side of me is like, well, I can make that. 
probably save us some money and uh, realize just how creative you can get because and it's it's such a it's tactile and then you you know you enjoy the way it feels and the way it bubbles and then all the different ways you can kind of scent it and create that and then you can start putting some designs in or different colors and I mean there's just so many ways that I could play with it I guess and I have fun and and it just felt like I was finding something in me again I so I very quickly so I I was making a lot of soap um, because you know how much can one family use but I was enjoying the process and so I started giving it to everybody and uh, very quickly family and friends would be like you know we love it however I think I'm good for it. Like they're trying to <laughs> trying to very nicely be like, you know, my my closet's stocked. <laughs> Probably good on soap for five years. Right. Um, and so it was either, well, do I stop or do I want to make this something? And so that's how Emily's Homestead came about. It was 2012. And um, and that's kind of same for shampoo bars at both. Most everything that I have created, it's been because I've been searching for a better option for me or our family. Mm-hmm. And shampoo bars are a really neat product um, for people who were like me. I was I was dealing with kind of having a greasy scalp where I felt like I would have to wash my hair every day. My hair is pretty fine, and so it gets weighed down. And um, I was buying more and more expensive shampoos and it's still, it was still the same. And I came across people talking about the no poo method where you do like baking soda and vinegar. Um, I did that for a time and I hated the way my, my hair felt. Um, Uh I actually, it did heal my scalp. So I found that I was not feeling as greasy. Uh, my hair felt lighter and softer and, and stayed cleaner longer. And that was fantastic because my, my scalp was not overproducing oil, which so what happens is when you buy a lot of regular shampoos, they are they are again, it's detergent based. Excellent cleaner, takes care of the grease and the dirt. However, it strips a lot of your natural defenses and mm. your scalp is supposed to have a certain amount of oil on it because that's it's healthy for your hair. And when it's constantly constantly being stripped, um, some people like me, your scalp goes into overdrive. Oh my goodness. Like what is going on? I got to fix this issue. And, um, you just make too much. And so by healing that, um, I felt like my scalp was a lot better, but my hair was awful. I just felt like this real dry, um, straw and I hated that. And I came across shampoo bars it was right around the time I started really getting into the soap making. So very quickly, I was like, oh, I bet I could figure this out too. <laughs> uh, it's, it's taken a lot of trial and error and formulation over the years. And I feel like I've got a great formula now. I really like the recipe um, where it cleans. So it's, it cleans a little more than soap. It doesn't leave as much residue. So that's why I recommend you can use shampoo bars as soap. Do not use soap as shampoo because you're going to get – it's going to feel like you have a residue on your hair. And shampoo bars are formulated to rinse a little cleaner. Uh-huh. So. How – boy, you must have spent hours in research out on yes. the internet seeing what other people are doing. Um, well, there wasn't a lot of people doing shampoo bars back okay. then. Um, so that was – there were a couple – 
And and really, it was the people that were just putting information out there about, you know, different and you you do a lot of research with soap making on the different oils because each oil brings a different um nutrient there's a different fatty acid that comes with it and it reacts to the lye in a different way and so you get a different outcome so some oils give you a harder bar some oils give you more bubbles some oils are uh, more cleansing some give you more of a conditioning aspect so I like to pretend I'm a chemist even though I only work with like one chemical (laughs) um because of that, you you and there's calculators you use, and so you just kind of go through, and so you do the science side first, and then you test it and kind of play. Okay, how did this feel? And then to make it more difficult, you have so many different hair types. So what works for my hair mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work for somebody whose hair is not super fine. Um, I have a shampoo that I make for people that have real coarse, tending towards frizzy, coily, uh, dry hair that I I cannot use. It my hair looks awful, but it works for them. So having to develop for different people's needs has been yeah. part of it. So you're the actual soap you make. I've, I've told you this before, but we've bought soaps in all places, you know, coffee shops and little boutiques. And I don't know. I like picking them up and smelling it. Your design, uh, when I look at some products other people have out there and then I see what you're producing, even down to the the label and the design is just top notch. The, the photography on your website is top notch. It's It's... I think the whole thing is just beautiful. I see it as art as much as – so we. my wife got into Norwax, and in Norwax yeah. you use these rags that are infused with silver, and you don't even use soap, uh, and, and it, it cleans you fine. So we've, we've reduced neat. our use of soap, <laughs> but – I treat this is so silly. I can't let say this. I treat myself a couple times a week just to use because it smells Do so naked. Do I need naked. to send you a bar? This <laughs> sounds like you're soap deprived. No, <laughs> that's the thing. Is like our, we've bought less soap from you because of the uh, the Norwex thing. But I still that's my like. I, I look forward to that day because it's like I'm going to use soap today. <laughs> it and sounds so funny. People no, are like, you that's wash but that's soap? the enjoyment. Like it yeah. is. It's an experience, and it's funny for something so basic. Right. But but there can be like it's a different level of well, soaping. And when you uh, so you also have uh, the lotion, and uh-huh. you have these little tins that you can put them in. You have uh, chapstick, lip balm, um, and you just started into candles. Not just started, but more recently. It, well, it's definitely been a process. Uh, yeah. So everything that I've created has been like body bath um, things that are a little more natural. That you know, I I wanted to create from myself as well as others. The candles I wasn't as interested in, and I have had more people ask me to do them. Uh, So before I got into it, I thought it was a very basic thing. You know, you Mm -hmm. put some fragrance, you melt the wax, you pour it in with, you know, you have your wick in place, done. It is not. It is, it's a whole other science, um, especially when you start talking about the different types of wicks with the different types of wax. I really love uh, coconut wax, and so that's what I've gotten into, but that takes a special, there's different wicks, and it does well with some and not as well with others. It's got it, you know, every wax has its own attributes as well, and so, um, and then sometimes you get, like I had recently some Wix suppliers that I felt they weren't doing a great job, so I switched companies. However, you have to retest everything. So I just felt like I've been testing candles for like the last two or three years, 
and selling intermittently. (laughs) Yeah, huge process. It is. It's so much more than I thought. And props to candle makers. I, I just... I, I do my one that I do, and I really like the jars that I do. Um, but, man, to do many different types or kinds, uh, it's a, it's so time-consuming. Well, <clears throat> we ordered some of your candles. And at first, I mean, because you could go to Aldi's or uh, Dollar oh, yeah. Tree, and you can get a dollar candle. I know. <laughs> and so I saw the price. I'm like, I'm trying to be good with our money, but I like to support business. And these – We ordered a few of them, and I burned the first one, and I was, like, hooked because (laughs) you think it's over. It melts down. You can see the bottom of the tin. It kept going and going. It had a – I mean, for the price, it had a very long life. That's one of the things I love about coconut wax. It's very clean burning, Uh and it is a long-burning wax. And I I am the same way. I I like to stretch a dollar, and I'm the same where I'd be like, well, I'm just going to go get – you know, wait for the candles to go on sale at Hobby Lobby or, you know, go to Walmart Mm -hmm. and grab something cheap because they all what's the difference and um i couldn't understand why candles were so priced the way they are but it they're actually to get better ingredients and to better performance and i feel like a healthier candle you know not burning petroleum products and um, trying to keep your soot down yeah um it costs a bit and so i try to keep my products as low as i can because um for me, I feel like what I'm doing, yes, it's a business, but at the same time, I want to be able to bless others or help others, you know, and and I'm not out there just to make a huge profit. Um, so it was, it was eye-opening in that regard as well to see why candles have to be that price if you buy good ones. And it's, it's the materials that go into it. Yeah, and... We're we're candle people. I mean, every night almost, and we were into burning candles a long time. It's just fun to. <laughs> uh, but we got colored LED lights everywhere and candles at cozy. night. It's just, you like it's cozy just, things. We decided to leave our little tiny Christmas tree up. We took all the ornaments <laughs> off, so now we've got a pine tree with lights. But at, at night, that's just my little oasis. I want to be, and so there's something about them. It just it adds the ambiance. And but then I started reading, you know, being in health care, and that mm-hmm. if you're smelling that stuff, that something is going into your to your lungs. And that I was reading some articles that sometimes burning candles all the time. Um, wasn't as healthy. And so when I saw what you were using and learned about the clean burning and everything, mm-hmm. I, I just, it's its so much, um, I do it now with peace of mind. So, <laughs> Well, good. But you're, okay, so talking about design, when, when I see art in any form, whether it's making soap, but just not even that, it's taking the picture and you've got the the cardboard binding around it and then even on top of the candles i'm looking at the lid and and there's these little tiny designs and each one's different based on the the smell or the odor of the candle i see that tied into christ and god because we're made in his image and when i think of how creative he is i think there's something about the process of creating have you ever seen that bond i guess i hadn't thought about it that way that's i like that take. I've just, I have always been creative and felt creative, you know, from when I was little, I was told my parents I was going to be an artist and, uh-huh. um, and then just having a design degree. And I actually almost majored in photography. So I, you know, I, I have a passion and a love and that's something that was important to me, but I really, I do. I'm, I love going into nature because God is the ultimate designer uh-huh. and creator and that you just see him everywhere. And, 
Um, I hadn't thought about tying in our human design yeah. creations into that. We've been talking about in the beginning in Genesis in our Sunday school class, but also a, a podcast I listen to, The Bible Project. They're also going through the beginning of creation. And I hadn't thought about it this way, but it, it's like because God's eternal, it wasn't like there was nothing and then he brought this. It was like bringing order to this eternal thing that was already here. Mm-hmm. And when I see like your final creation or your product with all of its different parts, it's like you brought you brought into something that didn't exist. You you took these things, but you put them in this order that came out of you. Like you you're 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 not just taking a picture of something, but you created something that didn't exist, and it's it's beautiful, and it smells good, and it, the texture. <laughs> I mean, you even cut the soap, you know, a certain way. Yeah. I'm probably geeking out over this, but I just see it as this like a spiritual. Uh, that's the image of God. His nature is to create, and and that's what I think about the creative people is like whether they acknowledge God or not, and you do. It's a form of Him. Well, I'm looking forward to getting back to work now. I think I'll take it a little <laughs> differently because sometimes you can you get into the process and it's a mm-hmm. job. It's work, and it is work. It's not always easy doing the designing or when you're making and cutting soap. It's a process, and you've got a lot of washing up and a mess that you're making. And Sure. Um, I think it's better to keep in mind that it's tying me more to God. Yeah. That I should be more of that mindset, take it a little higher than just the, uh, well, washing soap molds now. No, yeah. <laughs> well, you've got a beautiful shop there now set up. I do. That was a great part of our property. There was a little barn on the property that um, the people we bought the house from were artists. <laughs> and they they had taken this barn and taken off the regular barn doors, put in windows everywhere. So we have views to the mountains mm. from my studio and my office, which is upstairs in the loft. And it used to be just like a little hayloft, but they actually built in stairs and made a true second story. And so... And Doug has been gracious enough to give me like 90% of that space. <laughs> so, boy, that'd be a great place to read scriptures or anything. Sounds it is. It's very um, it's very peaceful, peaceful and soothing, especially upstairs. There's a lot of raw pine, like the floors and the ceiling. And then my window where my desk is at faces a couple huge pine trees and then mountains in the distance. And so when we get snow, which is a lot in the year, it's Colorado has a little different snow. The flakes are huge and sparkly and they kind of drift down. Mm. It's like a dance. And so I'll put on some music and I just, just really thoroughly enjoy being Oh, I'm so jealous. The Lord's given you a beautiful place out there when he knew you had it. Let me ask you about the business side, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. I, I took you a lot longer today. Yeah. I thought. What's, um, how do you, are you in a different, are you in stores? Is it word of mouth? How has your business grown? Are you doing a lot more than you did five years ago? It is growing. Um Yes. Uh, five years ago, we homeschooled for quite a bit with the boys. <laughs> Can I ask so, you a question real yes. quick? You homeschool, which is another great ministry. My friend Adam, you told me you were doing these music 
getting people together and music just playing night. music yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> he laughed. So I hope I don't embarrass him, or maybe he shouldn't have told me. But he said one of your kids there was like running around with a sack on his head or something. And you were like, I don't know if it was David or James. You're like, we already homeschooled. You're already, you got a bad enough name. That's you're stigmatizing the homeschoolers. Was that? Do you remember that? I don't remember uh, that that uh, one moment, but that sounds about right. And, yeah, we kind of would joke about it. Like, if the kids did anything goofy, I'd just kind of shrug and laugh and be like, homeschooled. Yeah. <laughs> no, we actually tried really hard, you know, because everybody grows up. And there's some families that um, I felt like are so successful homeschooling. And it, it's, I think, a, a wonderful thing you can do if if you have the heart for it, um, which – I didn't think I had it first. We just we almost fell into it and just truly mm-hmm. loved doing it. We travel because we move so much, and then we also love to travel. It just made life very easy. However, um, both my boys are pretty shy, and my oldest almost crippling. So when he was young, um, and it was a very big concern that they wouldn't, you know, get maybe the socialization or or know how to be when they were in public. And so we made a very concerted effort for them to be involved in Boy Scouts and they do they do sports and then church things when we have mm-hmm. been with youth groups and um and just having friends. And not that maybe they always need that kind of socialization. I just knew my kids needed it. But we we turned it around and kind of made a joke out of it. Yeah. Like, well, man, you're already homeschooled. Like, let's not add to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, to any of our homeschool listeners, it's a great ministry, and I think it's a wonderful thing to do. We but loved our time. Even Tim I, it was hard for fun me. of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was hard for me to give up homeschooling. My oldest, when he was going into high school, he really wanted the high school experience, and I was not going to homeschool just one kiddo. Um, so we put, put James in uh, seventh grade this last year. So during COVID, everybody else pulled their kids out to homeschool. We actually put ours <laughs> in. But that was the beauty of being in Bailey. We had a really small school district. Um, the kids were able to be in school all year, and it just worked well for us. So that said, um, it was it was hard packing up the school things when they went to school. It was almost like I, I kind of had a foretaste of what it's going to be like as they move uh, out because of the, it's the end of an era. Yeah. So. We just you do what works for your kiddo for as long as it does. We've had great experiences homeschooling. We had great experiences in public school, and we also had a fantastic time at CPRS right. uh, when we were here. So yeah, okay. So well, thank you for back. So back to the business. How <laughs> has your business grown in the last five years, or how are you growing that? I uh, it's it's grown quite a bit. Um, just. A lot of my business is actually online, and it's just people finding me. Uh, I think that is word of mouth. I ship mostly all over the country. I have shipped internationally. That gets tricky. Soap's kind of heavy for its size. Right. And then the cost of shipping is quite a bit internationally. So that that keeps it a little slower. Um I sell not only on my website, but also through Etsy because it's just a great way for makers to be found. And then Mm -hmm. I also do wholesale uh, at several shops. I had a store in Washington. Um, I've got some local stores just in Bailey. Um, I've gotten worked in, and so now the locals kind of know. It was funny. I'm I'm starting to meet people for the first time, but they're like (gasps) – 
your Emily, <laughs> the Emily, <laughs> used your shave soap this morning, oh, and yeah. you know, just kind of those things, which is it's funny, and um, and then also I've got a, a store back in Joshua Tree. I have a good friend who had opened a shop, a shop, and then she knew I'd made those things, and so she sells my soaps there. So. Are you a one-man operation? You're making it all yourself oh, right now? I am. That was another struggle from moving. My mom had worked with me while she was here, and it was fantastic. She has such great um, office managerial skills, and so she took kind of the business end, mm-hmm. and I was able to just create. And um, it was just such a blessing, and it was kind of a setback uh, leaving, having her. I'm trying to see if my kids are interested in taking some. I was like, look, you don't have to drive anywhere. It's right. a job, but, um, you know, soap making and packaging things maybe aren't aren't for everybody. We'll we'll see as they get older. Wow. So far, it's it's me. I would like to grow it to have more than just me because I think that's really when I can make it bigger. Mm-hmm. It's just time in the day. Are you shipping out every day something? I try to keep it to every maybe three times a week. That makes my life easier, especially because driving to town mm-hmm. uh, does take a little bit of time. And yeah, so I try to guarantee shipping. You know, uh, within one to three days. Well, if anybody's interested, it's good quality <laughs> stuff. And the soap lasts longer than store-bought soap. I mean, a bar of your soap lasts a long time. It's uh, Good. And they are big bars. So they are big bars. my mom always recommends cutting them in half because then you're having half staying dry and not <sighs> melting down. I like holding a big chunk of soap. So I keep <laughs> selling them that big. But, um, yeah, if you don't, then you can always sell it or cut it in half, and then you get two bars for one. Very good. <laughs> Well, fantastic stuff. Is there anything else you want to share? You got oh, I got all my well, I got all my crying out of the way. I think uh, <laughs> no, I I just so appreciate getting to sit and chat. Yeah, well, I look at this as a creation thing. It it lives on on the internet for as long as there's an internet, I guess. But people. Uh, are listening and different countries listen. It's exciting. Um, but I like to just preserve a moment in time in a conversation in time and just have it exist in good quality as best, as best we can. So, <laughs> but I love hearing the testimonies of Jesus. It's well, it's meant a lot to me. You know, we are outlying now, mm-hmm. and that's been one of the biggest things. I love the stories of the saints and, um, So when I'm working, I I put on a lot of things that I can listen to. And that's, we don't have prayer and testimony service because a lot of us drive from pretty far away. And um, so it's kind of my way of getting some of that. I, it's, it's very soul feeding. Well, good. I'm glad we, we were, it was hard to do during COVID to do the stories (laughs) of the saints. Uh, Corey and I kept going, but um, we were around each other anyway, but it was hard to, you know, I feel good about bringing people in here. And yeah. so we're trying to get more of those out now. I love those testimonies. The Lord's so real today with, with us as much as these great stories in the scriptures. He, this the way he interweaves himself into our lives when we acknowledge him and recognize that it's him. So thanks for sharing. Well, thank you your, for having your me. Your testimonies. Much. And uh, maybe you could get like a patchouli or something soaked to get into that Sasquatch <laughs> outpost. Do you like patchouli? That's a pretty... Woodsy. Okay. I could maybe start some out the mic bar. <laughs> well, very good. We're, uh, we're uh, going to wrap up here and 
Are you in town for the rest of the week with your in-laws or? Just kind of back and forth between my parents and, okay. and Doug's, yeah. All right. How's your business do you when you're do you feel weird walking away or do you have enough stock kind of stored up or I I actually just put my everything on vacation. I put a little notice on my website letting people know I you're welcome to buy if you want, but I'm not shipping until this date. Just so I try to be very um transparent uh-huh. with things because as a customer, I I would be frustrated if Sure. I ordered something and didn't know. So I I try to make sure that People are aware that I'm stepping away for a week or Good for two. you. And you do ship. I mean, we get ours right on time. It's always been great <laughs> if it's not hand-delivered. So <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, say hi to Colorado for me when you go back. It's my, my favorite, one of I my will. favorite states. Thanks. Thank you, Mike.